Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gallagher Jr. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's by VJ Trolio. You can get that on Amazon. It's a great book, uh, and it's uh, recommended for anybody that wants to know what separates the elite athlete from the rest. And we uh, appreciate uh, everybody's uh, loyalty on this podcast and uh, for purchasing the book. It's my pleasure to have my friend David Toms on the podcast today. Grew up in Shreveport, Bowser City, Louisiana. Took his game south to Baton Rouge. Played for the LSU Tigers. Turned pro. Wasn't always a quick success, but went on to uh, have an incredible PGA Tour career. 18 times as a pro, 13 PGA Tour wins, a couple Corn Ferry, a couple on the European Tour, uh, on the PGA Tour champions as well. So uh, let's welcome David Toms to the podcast. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome David Toms to the podcast. David, thanks for spending some time with us today. Oh, you're welcome, Jim. It's, uh, it's good to talk to you, man. I don't ever get to see you much anymore, so uh, maybe one of these days we can call our families can hook up somewhere. Yeah, our families have been, and you played with on the at the same time my sister and my wife did, and, and Carter, your son, and my daughter Kathleen are like brother and sister, so we're kind of, they yeah. fight like brother yeah. and sister too, so it's kind of, it's <laughs> perfect so. that way, but we've been, uh, been family friends, but uh, who kind of got you started playing uh, in this great game? Uh, well, I would say, uh, my grandfather, I, uh, I lived with my grandparents starting at age 12, basically all the way through and, uh, I turned pro. And so, um, you know, he went to the golf course every day and he was a solid, you know, five handicap and could do better uh, than that actually at times. And, uh, I was, you know, like every other kid playing baseball and basketball and all that fun stuff. And I started playing golf and I just got better at it and, uh, you know, started to excel compared to some of the other kids my age, at least for the ones that played, not that many kids actually played back then. But, um, so, I mean, he did for sure. Getting, getting me to the golf course, you know, paying for my travel once I started playing junior tournaments around the country and, supporting me and was kind of like the guy that read all the instructional books. And I remember him reading Toski's book and Hogan's and all these different things. And he would always, you know, try to, you know, he'd pull out a two by four here and there and try to get me <laughs> to do this and that. So, I mean, he was the one that was really passionate about it and it carried over to me and I started enjoying the game. And, uh, my dad played too. And so we had some, some good family matches early on and, um, so I was, you know, lucky in that, you know, I did have some family members that were not only played golf, but were, you know, really solid players to, you know, be able to play with. Yeah, and those are the memories you'll always remember. Uh, they're forever. Yeah. And those are the times when you look back and say, man, I remember when dad or grandpa did this or that. And and uh, th- those are days. And even with your own kids, you know, playing Carter, playing as well, your yeah. son. So, I mean, those are just precious moments. And time flies by so fast that we just can't uh, slow it down. <laughs> No, you're right. And, uh, you know, good times. And, you know, I've always enjoyed, you know, playing with my son just because, you know, between playing golf with him or hunting and fishing, I mean, if you have something that you can do together, you start to get more information than you do when they're just passing through the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, you kind of you figure out what concerns them, what their worries are, what they're happy about, what's going on in their life. 
life, you know, and kind of, you can just kind of tell uh, being able to spend that time rather than at the dinner table or watching television or something else that has distractions. I mean, you're out there, you know, playing on the golf course, riding in a cart next to each other. And, you know, you, like I said, you get some more information and you're able to, uh, you know, really find out what's going on in their life. And uh, it's just good quality time. Yeah, that's so well said because a lot of the folks that listen to our podcast, I mean, it's why I'm doing it, to get the information out to those yeah. parents, the kids, and, and guys like you that you started that way and had people who influenced them and got to the tour. Not everybody's going to play the tour, but it's time you spend with your kids. And I know you're just so much into your family. And I've been to football games with you at Baton Rouge, and there's yeah. I, there's only one bigger Tiger fan in my life, and that's your daughter, Anna. And I learned not to talk to her during the games. Yeah. So. yeah, she's uh, she's into it, and uh, she knows. Golly, she's been she she's been keeping you know track of the roster since she was like a little girl, and making notes on it during the season, and bringing it to every game. And you know that's how she determines what players she likes, and how many tackles, <laughs> and touchdowns, and all this stuff. And she's a uh, just always been into it so it was pretty cool you know a couple of seasons ago when we were able to follow that season and um you know i remember at the sec championship game her she wanted to take a picture with joe burrow and i was able to get that done through our equipment manager greg stringcello and so that was the highlight of her year she's just i don't know i mean you know in her defense she's been in the middle of it since she was a baby and so it kind of i guess between Carter and I and my wife, we all kind of rubbed off on her. So she's a she's a huge fan. It's kind of neat to see, you know, a female, uh, you know, teenager that, you know, has interest in or takes interest in something other than just their own little world. So it's kind of uh, it's actually kind of neat as a father to be able to go to sporting events with your kids that uh, are passionate about it and make the, makes those uh, times more fun. Well, it's like you said, you spent time with Carter hunting and fishing and playing golf, and now you got that with her, and and you're right. It's just yep. they'll talk to you. You just have to listen, and I think that's the hardest that's right. thing about being a parent, and you've done a great job, and and uh, just it's been fun to watch uh, our kids grow up together and everything. But you played golf at LSU, and that was an incredible experience. Actually, the same time my, my wife, Sissy, and, and Jackie was there. But what was that experience like for you? Uh, of course, I'm sure you grew up a big LSU fan and then finally getting to play golf there. Well, I mean, first of all, I, you know, coming out as a junior golfer, I had numerous places I could have played. But, um, you know, I've been going to Tiger Stadium since I was five years old and used to live not too far from there. And so with the, having the opportunity to go to LSU to play for Buddy Alexander and Britt Harrison, guys that were good players, knew the game, they weren't just a bus driver kind of kind of a coach and uh and then had great teammates i mean you know when i was a freshman i had bob friend and when aubrey were seniors you had tommy mudd rob mcnamara were junior you know guys that that were good players and fun guys guys that i wanted to be on the team with that were good to me and supported me and it wasn't like competition amongst the team it was more about hey we're all on a team and we're gonna you know go to events to try to win and uh, not individually, but as a team and for LSU. And so I mean, it was just an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And I was fortunate to, you know, go through my college days with really good teams. We had a great program, men's and women's. And like you said, I mean, I was there when Sissy was there and Jackie, but Greg Lesher and 
Frederick Lindgren, William Lanier, all these guys that are still really, you know, good buddies to, to this day. And uh, we just had good teams. I mean, really good uh, camaraderie. I mean, we all got along. You know, maybe the only time you ever had an issue were those guys that were fighting it out for that fifth spot. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. they would, you know, get into heated competitions. But, I mean, that was a good thing. I mean, that made them all want to be better. and They wanted to make the trip. And, um, you know, so we had that competition amongst the team. But um, it was a good thing. And, um, you know, sports, when I was at LSU, we won every year what they call the Bernie Moore Trophy. The Bernie Moore Trophy is the all-sports trophy within the SEC. So um, that means that all of our programs as a whole did really well. And so it's an overall sports done by points. And, uh, I mean, we were, you know, we were winning that every year. And I remember our AD coming to us always. We were one of the last sports to finish up in the spring. So we would be at the SEC golf tournament and the AD would fly in to give us this pep talk <laughs> saying, hey, man, we need we need you guys to do well because we're going to try to win this Bernie Moore trophy again. And we always took credit for it, but I think it was actually the men's and women's track team that probably ended up putting us over the top because they were winning SECs and nationals just about every year. So, uh, but it was a fun time. I mean, to, to be there where all the sports were good. I mean, um, you know, you had Chris Jackson and Shaq coming right after him in basketball. You had Albert Bell and, uh, some, and Ben McDonald playing baseball. And then you had Tommy Hodgson and those guys on the football team. I mean, just, you know, great teams and so it was school spirit was at an all-time high and just a good time to be there and i loved every minute of it yeah you know that's that's interesting what you're saying about the team atmosphere coming together as a team because golf is such an individual sport and i just Mm -hmm. never felt like you could force uh that togetherness i know we talk about the Ryder cup president's cup teams all the time about that but that's i think for these kids that are about to go to college they're so used to being on their own now they've that's why i think team sports are so important but you know, that comes natural, that uh, rooting for everybody. But that p- playing for yeah. that last spot, that's hard because now you, if yeah. it's your roommates, even worse because you got to go back and live with them. That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I'm not going to mention the two names, but we had a couple guys that were fighting out for that spot, and they lived in a dorm room together. And one of them put a piece of masking tape across the middle of the room and wouldn't let the one guy cross it. You know, here they are, teammates and buddies, roommates, but they're fighting it out for the last spot. You know, it got so heated at times that, yeah, we're just going to divide this dorm room and you can't come on this side. uh, It was pretty funny. The only problem was there was only one sink and it was on the one guy's side. And he's like, well, you got at least let me come brush my teeth. Over there. So, uh, That's awesome. It was, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty classic time. Yeah, absolutely. Now you, when did you think about turning pro? Cause you had a good college career. You know, at what point did you yeah. say, Hey, I want to do this as a, you know, I want to play professionally. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, probably at a, age 17 before I got to college, I was fortunate I won the PGA junior and the junior worlds. So I'm like, you know, and I saw the guys that were on those, on the list that had won those tournaments, you know, and they were you know, in the middle of their career on the, on the PGA tour. And I'm like, well, maybe if I can keep progressing, you know, maybe I'll be one day be able to play on television. I mean, that was a big deal. Right. And, uh, uh, to be able to be out there and play on television and do it for a living. But I guess, you know, at every level, I mean, I always tell people all the time and, uh, 
it's like starting over at every level that you play golf. You know, you go from junior golf and then you get to college. You know, you might be you're 17 years old, possibly 18, and you might be playing against a guy that's 22, 23 years old and got uh, got a full beard. And you know, you're just like, man. <laughs> and uh, so it's different. And then, and then you you know you get you finally you you realize your dream. You get a tour card and you get out there. And then you know, I remember one year at the Western Open. I think I was a rookie and. I'm teeing off at two o'clock in the afternoon, the first day, and it's blowing 30 miles an hour at Cock Hill. And I get out there and I'm on the range. I look up at the leaderboard and Tom Watson had shot seven under. And so I'm just like, <laughs> he bogey the first hole, you're eight back. And you're like, how in the world am I going to do? Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. I mean, it's a, it's, it's like starting over, but it's all a, you know, you hear it all the time, guys saying, I'm just going through the process, da 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 but it's really what it is. I mean, you have to take it one day at a time, one the next week, and, um, you know, work on your game and, and just try to control what you can, and that's just right there in front of you. The golf ball that's laying on the ground next to you, and you just, uh, just trust that you have the ability and that you work hard and thing, good things will come to you. And I've been fortunate that, that it has, and so – um, but it is, I mean, you know, as well as I do, and because we do have close families and kids and everything, I mean, you have to have special people around you to be successful and they have to be supportive through the good and the bad and be right there with you. You have to have a wife that, you know, raises kids when mm. you're gone half of the year. And I mean, it's, so it's, you know, and not give you a hard time about not being there. So, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff goes into being successful and I'm sure that's it's I mean only thing we've ever known is golf but I'm sure it's like that in any kind of you know career that you have in life is I mean if you're a guy or a gal that's having to work all the time to be successful and be gone and travel you're going to have to have somebody at home that looks after things and raises kids with a you know, a parent that's not there all the time. And I've been lucky with that. And just like you have. Yeah. You know, cause to be great, I mean, I don't mean it in the wrong way, but you got to be almost a little selfish and yeah. to have someone like our wives, we both are blessed with that. Got great kids. And, and, you know, we get to take credit for how well the kids turned out, but you know, we were, we we're in there, but you know, what just automatic to the tour for you. I mean, you, as I recall, I think you and Mike Heinen went up to Canada and played maybe. And, and it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and those, those days, Mike said, were some of the days he learned so much in that experience. Uh, what did you take? Yeah, from that it's, experience? uh, no, you're right. I mean, uh, I turned pro in 89 after being, you know, first team all American. And I went through the tour side, you know, played some state opens and stuff that summer. And then I went through the tour school and I was breezing through the tour school. The first two stages, I got to the final stage and I was leading after three rounds. I was third after four rounds. And I'm like, Hey, I'm about ready to sign a club contract and be ready to go. And I just completely fell apart the last two days, shot 80, 78 and missed by two shots mm. and ended up playing play at the Hogan tour the first year they ever had it, which was, uh, uh, 1990. And so, you know, that was a big letdown, but had to pick yourself up and learn to travel every week and how to do it, travel by yourself. I did that. And then 91 actually played over in Asia for three months and then got back and played all over the country. And like you said, Canada and here and there. And I, you know, but I still had some guys like that. I mean, Mike Heinen and, 
Greg Lesher was playing, who was one of my roommates, a guy named Chip Carter here from Shreveport. We played in Asia together. So it was fun, but it was a good learning experience to learn about yourself and how to travel and take care of yourself and stay in a hotel. I mean, I did it in junior golf in college, but it's usually you had a parent or a coach that was taking care of everything for you. Now all of a sudden you're traveling around by yourself or with one of your buddies just week to week and going through the ups and downs. And so, yeah, it didn't wasn't always easy but i think in the end you know it made me appreciate success once i was able to to have that and just really not take it for granted and um you know i don't know these young people that come out now that go from great college players to setting the world on fire on tour that never really had that adversity and then they go through a stretch where they don't play well for a month or six weeks and man, they don't know what to do, you know? And then True. people start asking them questions about what's wrong with you. And they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just not playing good. And so, so they, they've never really gone through that. And, um, you know, I think it's helped me long-term to, to be able to, to have that early on to where you really had to struggle and work hard and, and appreciate the good times and build on those. And, you know, I think the biggest thing I learned you know, traveling in those early days. And like you said, with Mike Heinen is I don't want to share a pizza with him. <laughs> no, because no, it's gone in two seconds. <laughs> it's gone. It's, it's gone. I'm like, man, I thought we got a large. We did. I'm like, well, I had two pizzas. Oh, no. oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, you don't put your hands down in front of him. He'll eat your hand, too. If you <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that guy. We had so many good times. He always kept it light. We had a lot of stuff in common and growing up in Louisiana and, you know, it was really exciting for him. To, I mean, he won pretty early on after he got his tour card mm-hmm. and went in Houston like he did. Man, he was such a such a good ball striker. And, um, you know, I guess he got to where that short game started to mess with him and wedges and everything else. And uh, But then he started to raise a family, and, you know, down there in Lake Charles, and, you know, he'd rather be home with his kids and doing all that kind of stuff. And, man, I don't blame him. It's uh, – you know, it's one of those things that that was, and he loved the lifestyle down there with fishing and hunting, and uh, just a, a really fun guy. And I, I miss seeing him. Yeah, I do. He's um, one of my dearest friends. Super. He's a guy I can call at any moment, yeah. and I know you can yeah. too. And he'd be there as soon as he can get there, and he'd get you yeah. out of there. So he's he he was one, and that's when you know he was one of those guys that kind of towards the end when I was not playing that well, as I, I I even when I got the champs tour, I mean I didn't have guys like that out there that kind of my buddies and he you know he was a little bit younger yeah. but and that's the hard part i mean because when you get to an age and you did that and and you're having success but you want to be home and i fought that and I, you know i quit playing at 40 because my attitude was horrible but i wanted to be home yeah. but then when i was home i wanted to be on the road how did you juggle that because yeah. that's a tough that's a tough <laughs> juggle yeah it is and i mean i you know i look back and the times that i mean right in the i mean really height of my career um you know carter was a young kid playing baseball and he was really good at it before he started playing golf and you know i always hated to miss those um those games you know i would i would schedule my golf tournaments in the spring based on how many little league or dixie league games he had during that week so if he had if he had three games in one week i wouldn't play you know and then Mm -hmm. if he had one of those weeks where he only had one game i would go play and so what the worst part about it was you're home for a week and he's got three games scheduled and it would be raining and rain all of them out. And I'm like, well, I should be in Florida playing this week. So right. it was hard to juggle all that. And, 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think the attitude is such a big part of success. And I think it just, you know, I, I, I was determined that when I did play, uh, I would be a hundred percent committed that week to what I was doing and not worry about what was going on at home. I knew Sonia had things in order here and, and I was just really focused on where I was and what I was doing. And then when I got home, I mean, I had really had a tendency just to put the clubs in the closet when I was home and then be fully dedicated to being a dad, you know, carpooling, just everything. I mean, just doing everything I could to, to help Sonia out of what she would go through week to week when I was gone. And so um, that's the way I always approached it and ended up being pretty good. I wasn't, when I, I didn't bring my work home with me necessarily when I would come back from the road and it always, I would be refreshed and ready to go. And, um, so I looked forward to, to playing tournaments when I, when I did leave. You know, that sounds like a page right out of Bruce Litsky's book. I mean, he was my yeah. hero. I mean, of course he was kind of yeah. my mentor and I mean, he was 10 years older than I was and, you know, he was Curtis's age and all those great players. And he always would include me with those guys. And it helped me so much because I fought a little bit of insecurity like anybody else when you're first out there. But, you know, I watched him teach me how to be a man, how to be a good husband and to be able to be successful playing. And not many people could do like, like that. And, and, and you did that too. And I think that's, I think those are the things when you look back up, you don't have any regrets and for me, someone said, why did you quit playing at 40? Do you regret doing it? They're playing for so much money. I said, no, because I got to know my kids. You know, I got to spend time yes. with my kids. And, and it wasn't like, you know, all of a sudden they're 18 and they don't even know who you are. And I think that's just so important. Yeah. And, and I know because my two oldest ones, Mary Landon and Thomas, traveled with us uh, all the time when yes. I was playing. But then once school starts, your life changes. And, and, and it's tough. And I think people, when you get to the late 30s and 40s, that's when guys struggle with that. For sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And they, uh, I mean, we're still kind of going through it now. I have one that is about to get out of grad school at LSU and get a job, but then I still have one that's a sophomore in high school. And so, you know, with my daughter now, I miss a lot of stuff and they can't travel. You know, I, I'm out there on the championship tour and you've got these guys that have their wives with them every week. Some of them are caddying. I mean, if you, they're out to dinner every night and they enjoy their time together and you see that and, you know, you kind of envy that, but we're in a position as a family that we're just, we're not there yet. I mean, maybe in a couple of years. Um, so I need to stay healthy so I can keep playing just so we can travel around and, and do that. And Sonia's able to do that with me, but, um, you know, we're still in a position where I hate to miss things that my, that my daughter cheers. And so, I mean, I miss, you know, ball games that she's cheering and, and that's tough, but, um, you know, you do what you got to do and you a juggling act. You try to balance, uh, being successful in your job and playing golf and wanting to play at a high level and putting in the time for that. But at the same time, you know, still trying to be the best husband and father that you can be. And so it's a, it's a never ending battle, but it, but I enjoy it. I mean, it's a lot, like you said, when you're, you know, when you're home, you're wishing, you know, you're wishing you're out there competing, but then you're out there competing and you're missing what's going on at home with your family. And so it's, uh, it's not quite as glamorous as everybody sees that, you know, everybody's late on Sunday afternoon holding up a check or competing to try to win a golf tournament. I mean, there is a lot of other things that go into that. I mean, whether it's, you know, leaving on a, a day early now to have to do your COVID test and, and then going through all those pro-ams and outings and, practice rounds and trying to get there to where you're on the weekend and, and you know competing to try to win a golf tournament 
and the travel that goes into it and everything else. I mean, people just don't see that. And, uh, you know, there are things about our jobs that, you know, aren't that great, but then there are a lot of things that are very rewarding as well, especially in an individual sport where, you know, you, you get, I mean, you get the glory for it, but at the same time, you're the one that gets beat up the most when things don't go well. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster for sure. Absolutely. And I think you went, I went through some of the same things when I turned 50, I still had kids in high school and college and, and I mean, that's those, those that's, I struggled with that. And, you know, I quit playing, so I kind of lost my edge. You kept playing and, I think that's why you still have had some success on the PGA Tour Champions as you kept playing. It's so important competitively. Uh, and I've seen people, you know, yeah. they talked about Annika a week or so coming back out, play, hadn't played in 10 or 12 years. Well, playing competition yeah. is a lot different than playing with, against your buddies. No, it is. And, you know, I mean, heck, I go through that every year because I take off a couple months during – the winter the duck hunt and then by the time you get ready to go out and play again you haven't played much nothing not just haven't played competition i mean you haven't played golf and so uh, i mean i'm about to go through that right now we have six weeks off before our next event and so you're gonna i'm gonna show up in naples florida and luckily most of the guys are in the same boat but we'll be just like hey i had to play the golf tournament in six weeks and so you i can't imagine guys that don't you know play competition in competition for five or six years and uh it's different and it takes a while to, uh, you know, to really, you know, score. I mean, you know, as well as I do, golf is all about scoring and, uh, you can be hitting it great on the range, and putting it great on the putting green and all those things and have your body in good shape where nothing hurts and you're ready to go. And, but man, it's, uh, you know, you still got to go out there and score and, you know, that's what it's all about. And that's what the great players do week in and week out. I mean, they make the best out of every round. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tough to lay off for an extended period of time with no competition or just no golf and, and try to come back. Yeah. Cause you lose your edge. Uh, it, it, it's yeah. a competitive edge. It's hard to describe that. Cause I mean, even the basic decisions and you get a little bit of wind yeah. and you're going like, Oh, that's an eight hour or is that a seven hour? Is that an eight hour? And it's that indecision that gets you. And that's what I think happened to me. And it just wasn't as much fun for me the second time around. Uh, but yeah. that's, you know, that was my problem, not anything else. And plus I wasn't fully exempt. Uh, now it would, I'd be a little bit better on the category, but I just, it wasn't the same. Yeah. And I think we all go through that, but do you remember your first win and that feeling you got? I mean, we're kind of jumping around here, but do you remember the first win and what that feeling was like after, you know, finally getting there? Because we are, you talked about winning tournaments, but do you remember that first win yeah. and how it's compared to some of those other ones you've won? Oh, absolutely. I was, uh, it was 1997. Um, it was in the quad cities and, uh, the old course we used to play there. And, um, you know, I'd gotten a new, I think it was a new Titleist driver I got that week and I was driving it great. And that's all I really, it was, it was interesting. I was driving it so well, a little bit longer, but just, you know, hitting it in the middle of the face. And, you know, that was a big deal back then. I mean, because mm. drivers weren't big or anything. And so just hitting it solid, I got excited to step up on every hole and just hit a tee shot before you know it, I was playing great. And then before you know it, I was winning the golf tournament. And it was a, it was a neat time in my life because Carter was born my first child two weeks after that. Really? And so Sonia was home expecting, you know, any day and, um, it was just one of those things I was looking forward to that. I was excited about that. And so all of a sudden golf was just, it was important, 
and at the time, obviously, I hadn't won anything, and but I was keeping my card and all that, and was a decent tour player. But you know, I mean, I just had like I wasn't so into what I was doing on the golf course because I was having that going on in my life off the golf course. And before you know it, I won a tournament, and then you know, a couple of years later, I won a couple more times, and then a couple of years after that, I won a couple more times, and then it was just. Uh, I don't know. It was more, it just kind of started putting golf in perspective of, yeah, it was important and yeah, it was my job, but I was, you know, had other distractions off the golf course to where I wasn't just 24 seven, you know, my life was not based on, uh, you know, once we started to have kids every, you know, my, my life was not just based on how I was playing golf. And, uh, and that really helped me because, I uh, just made it easier and easier to get the most out of everything I could on the golf course. And, uh, so anyway, it turned out well. I'm, I'm, I'm looking out. Sorry. I'm in, in my office right now. I'm looking outside and I had this guy just pull up my garage doors or mess it. That she is, this is like normal life stuff. I got garage doors that are broken. I can't even get in and out of, out of my garage right now. So it's like. They couldn't oh, handle my, all that ice we had. Dinner with my parents. We were going to dinner with my parents last night. We couldn't leave the house because we couldn't shut our garage. Man, it was just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Life gets in the way sometimes. The, Life gets in the way. Yeah, exactly. Take us back to the PGA. Going down to that last hole, mm-hmm. you drove it, and you had to lay it up. Uh, yeah. What went through your mind there? Because a lot of people you know, might have second-guessed it, but you didn't second-guess yeah. it one bit. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I'll set it all up. And, and the the thing is, is that if I look back on any tournament that that I won on the tour, it's always been about where you prepared that week. And uh, um, that hole, um, you know, it was a, normally a par five. Mm-hmm. Members, it would be a par five. It was the first par four in major championship history that was played over 500 yards long. And you know, there was a, there was a tee marker on the tee box that they covered up with a piece of turf. So you didn't really know how far it was, it was like <laughs> five Oh five or something like that. But we were playing the hole in practice and, and, and I said to my caddy, Scott, um, I'm like, Hey, you know, I think if we miss this fairway, I said, we ought to probably just lay the ball up because there's so much trouble around the green with the water and bunkers and grandstand behind the green, all this and the green pitch back to front. Like, you know, it's probably, you know, if we miss a fairway, we'll just play it as a par five and try to make a birdie. It's a hard hole anyway. And it just so happens um, that we came down to the last hole of the golf tournament, and I drove it about three inches into the Bermuda rough. I had a downhill, side hill lie, and I had a, a yardage that I needed a seven wood for, and I didn't have a seven wood <laughs> in my bag. And so, uh, you know, I was like, I can hit a five wood from there, but it's going to go over the green. And then I'm going to have to chip back toward the water or I can hit a three iron and it's not going to get high enough. So if it gets over the water, it's not going to stop anyway. I said, what do you think about laying up? And he goes, I love it. And so then I knew I was doing the right thing once because we had already kind of put ourselves there in practice, knowing how we wanted to play the hole anyway. And so the thing I was most proud of is that we, uh, got a good number rather than just punching it down the fairway i got a perfect number laid the ball up to a perfect number to hit my third shot and you know i mean obviously i hit a decent uh third shot and then i hit a great putt and and won the tournament and now i don't you know i didn't really have to answer those if it didn't work out right answer all those questions but 
you know, I mean, listen, I could have tried to hit the shot and made a double bogey and lost the golf tournament right there. And at least I felt like if I laid it up, the worst was going to be a playoff. And um, so that was not going to be a bad thing either. So um, it. it all worked out. Yeah. But, uh, but again, it goes back to being prepared for that situation before it ever happened. That's a great story. Um, I didn't know and, that, that you'd already had talked about yeah. that. And, and that's a great yeah. lesson for kids out there because everybody sees, oh, let's go for the miraculous shot. But, I mean, the, like you that's said, right. you still had a chance to win. If you do hit it in the water, it's over. So, uh, and you talk Yeah, shot. and it's more, at that point, at that point, it was more like a match play situation anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the way I've always played match play. You kind of like know the situation, know what your opponent's doing, what they're going to do, and uh, you know, it's a hard hole anyway. I'm thinking he's not going to make a birdie. All I got to do, I mean, is try to get up there to where I can, you know, make par at worst, make bogey, and then we, you know, at my work. At, at best, I'm going to win the golf tournament. At worst, I'm going to be in a playoff, and it's it'll be fine, and it'll work out. Yeah, you mentioned match play. You played on three Ryder Cups, four Presidents Cups. Compared Tiger Stadium Saturday night, not playing Alabama because that would be insanity. Right. Versus a Ryder yeah. Cup uh, Sunday, overseas. Uh, <laughs> well, that's where my first Ryder Cup was at the Belfry, and uh, supposed to be in two thousand and one, and it ended up being two thousand two because of nine eleven. And so I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, that first hole, first tee box, and all the fans around the tele, you know, the tee box right behind you. Uh, and I looked at my caddy and I said, "I don't think I can tee this ball up. I was shaking so bad." <laughs> And uh, and he's like, well, you know, whatever, boss, I'll tee it up for you if I need to. He goes, I'm not sure I can either. <laughs> and I was like, well, oh my goodness. And uh, but I birdied the first hole right out of the box, and um, so that really settled me down. And it was one of those weeks where I drove it great. I was playing with Nicholson every round, and he couldn't hit a fairway, and he kept going on about how I was driving it perfect, and it was setting us up to win holes and especially in alternate shot. And so he, uh, it was good. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And like you said, I mean, it was pretty, pretty nerve wracking, very loud. But I mean, obviously when I look back on my career, I mean, those international team competitions were the highlight. I mean, you know, you had, had a lot of highlights as an individual, but you know, the most fun events were definitely um, those ones where I had teammates and were able to play for the, the USA and all that. And, uh, it was just, it was awesome. And I've always said, I mean, it's only a select group of people over the history of the tour that actually get to play on those teams. When you look at how many people play pro golf and play the PGA tour to be able to make teams in the Ryder cup or president's cup and, and represent your country. I played with in the world cup with Mickelson also as my partner and, just those, I mean, not very many people get to do that when you look at how, you know, how many actually play pro golf. And uh, I just feel very fortunate to be able to, you know, be a part of that history. And uh, it's just awesome. And I love telling stories about those times and things that went on. And uh, it's just a, just a great thing, not only to represent your country, but to be with a group of people that are all have the common goal, you know, to, to, try to win and uh it was just great you know you mentioned i forgot your belfry was your first that was of course my Ryder cup yeah. and, and i had that same feeling my hands were shaking so bad that i grabbed my right hand with my left hand and it was shaking and then the earth was shaking and i was like <laughs> i don't know where it's gonna go and and, and i played seven yeah. singles and it's 
it's and now even when you played, it's just become so big and so much yeah. bigger and, and and rock. You know, it's just music going and everything. And you mentioned yeah. how important it was. And would you like to be a captain someday? Because in my opinion, and I say it every time at Ryder Cup comes up, Presidents Cup, you should be a captain. You've earned it. You yeah. deserve to be. Uh, and and not just because you're my friend, it's because you should be. Yeah. Uh, is it something well, you hope to I maybe mean, get a chance to do? Well, I think it's probably passed me by now, and, and with their task force that they have, it seems like everything's kind of running through that with Ryder Cup, President's Cup, even uh, captains. It kind of comes from that group. But, you know, I will say this. I had, uh, you know, the year that Tom Watson was the uh, the captain, Actually, the latest time, anyway, I got a call from Ted Bishop, and uh, and that was a year where you know I had a good chance to be named the captain. A lot of people thought I was going to be, and uh, you know I got a nice phone call from him, and he just said, "Hey, we're going to go a different direction this year, kind of outside the box, kind of deal." And he goes, "I'm not going to tell you who it is, but in a couple of days we're going to announce it, and you'll kind of understand what we're doing and why we're doing it." And, uh, and so that's how it went down. And so that's really the only time they've ever talked to me about it. Um, you know, they've never asked me to be on the task force or whatever. And that's, you know, at this point, actually at, at age 54 and, you know, four years removed from really playing full-time PGA tour golf. And, um, you know, the, the games changed so much and the younger players that are all out there, I don't really know them very well. I mean, only ones I know are the ones that were friend with, friends with Carter during junior golf or mm-hmm. growing up. And so, um, you know, that's that's the thing is that, uh, you know, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm sure it would be an honor, but I'm not sure that I would be the man for the job. I mean, at least now, like this year, I talked to Steve Stricker the other day, and we played together in Tucson, and I asked him what his schedule's like. And he said, yeah, I think I'm going to play 10 or 12 times on the regular tour just so I can feel like i'm a part of those guys and what they're doing and i don't just show up on the range on a week where you know i'm not playing and just to talk to them because i'm actually trying to be a part of it and then i'll play six or seven times on the champions tour and so he's kind of bouncing back and forth and um and he still plays great golf uh, don't get me wrong but he's not really i don't know i mean he, you can tell that the the Ryder Cup thing is important to him, and he's and, and it's basically consumed him and it consumed his schedule and his family and everything else. And so, I'm not sure I want to be to do that um, at this point in my career um, to really give up a couple of years of what you're doing and and how you're playing and uh, and what's going on in my life and my family's life to to really do that, even though it'd be a, a great honor and I'm sure it'd be fun. Um, it's just, um, you know, I think my time has kind of passed by and, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm still on great terms with the PGA of America and one of their past champions and the people I respect their organization and everything that they stand for and the job they do to promote golf around the country. Um, it's just one of those things that didn't work out for me at that time. And I've moved on and I'm sure they have to. Well, you know, that's, it, that's well said. And I think, you know, when you become the captain, it's two year commitment and golf is gone. And it, like you said, you're 54 yeah. years old. And I'll tell yeah. you from my point, when you get to 56, you think things are falling apart at 54. It's, it's over. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, the first thing I do every morning when I wake up and I start, I start rubbing ointment on about six joints in my body right now just to, 
to get going for the day. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, you try to stay as healthy as you can and just so we can go. I mean, Sonia, you know, we have, you know, we, we want to be able to kind of, once we're empty nesters, we want to be able to, you know, do things and be active and go places. She's five years younger than me. And so she's always on me to try to stay as fit as possible so that, you know, she won't be having to cart me around places. I think Sissy and Sonia talk a lot because I'm hearing that same thing. <laughs> same stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, boy, did you see, your, did you see yourself on, on TV? You're so fat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So they, oh, they do talk funny. a lot. I know that. But I, yeah. <laughs> they better yeah, quit I'm talking sure, about yeah. us and give us a break. But um, <laughs> I look at the, the David Tom's Foundation. I know how important that is yep. to you and giving back to your community. You've done a great job with that. Is that something that uh, you're really proud of? I know you have to be. Well, I've been, you know, yes, we're, we are proud of it, and Sonia's been a big part of that as well. But I think it was, you know, the motivation there was, you know, growing up on a, in a semi-small town in a small state where everybody kind of, has always supported me in my career, whether I was at LSU or even through junior golf. And then when I turned pro, I mean, the cards, the letters, the press coverage, everything I've always have gotten inside the state of Louisiana has been fantastic. And so uh, to be able to give back to our community in this region, you know, different things that we've done, whether it's through golf or just different disaster relief efforts, just different things that we've been able to do through our foundation it's been rewarding to us personally to be able to help people. And I've been, you know, I told you the story of growing up in my grandparents' home and, and having them and, and always had a great support, even though my parents were, you know, divorced at an early age, they were still very supportive of me, even, you know, when I was with my grandparents in their home. And um, I've just been fortunate and to have a roof over my head, to have people, you know, golf is an expensive sport and it always has been. And to have people that make sacrifices for me to, to be the best I could be and giving me those resources, you know, it kind of gives you that thankful attitude. And that's what I've tried to do as a professional is to try to give back to all those people in a community that have su- supported me so well through the years. And uh, we've been able to do that. And, um, you know, I, we tried Dallas for a couple of years. Carter was actually born there. Um, in Dallas and soon as he was born we moved back and so we've always been in you know my wife and I both in the state of Louisiana and these communities you know whether it was down in Baton Rouge or whether it was up here in Shreveport area uh, it's just been we you know our family's always been taken care of and I've always tried to give back to that and for those reasons um, you know I always love this place even if we're not here forever um, our hearts will definitely yeah, there's no place like home, and, and I, they asked me why yeah. I would move to a little town in Greenwood, Mississippi. I said, it's a way of life, and I think for you, too, That's right. uh, in Shreveport and home and everything. But one last question, and this is always, yeah. I stump people on this one. I didn't tell you what I was going to ask you, but when you look back at your career, what are you most proud of? As far as golf, uh, what I'm most proud of, um, was probably winning in New Orleans. Um, mm. It was early early 2001, the same year I won the PGA. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure either I was either the first or it's been a long, long time since uh, a, sta- a resident of the state of Louisiana had won the New Orleans event. And to beat 
Mickelson down the stretch when he was playing great golf and to be playing with Ernie Els when he was playing great golf on the last day to win. Uh, and then in the way that I played, I shot 17 under on the weekend in wow. New Orleans and on, on the English turn and to have everybody going crazy for me. I mean, the whole the grandstands when I made the putt on 18 to win, they just went nuts and they played the fight song at the party afterwards, <laughs> LSU fight song. I mean, just, I'll never forget it. I had my whole family there, extended family. We took a picture on 18th green with a trophy and, uh, the four kids foundation, all those guys were ecstatic that I won and just so supportive of what was going on. And, um, at a golf tournament that it just felt like just the other, at that time felt like just the other day when I was down there as a college kid, you know, watching Greg Norman and all those guys play and uh, to have it happen to me um, was just an awesome experience and, um, you know, something I'll, I'll never forget. Well, well said, and I appreciate you spending some time. And I kind of finished the podcast with this, whether you're in life or golf, you may have only one shot and you got to make it count. You're making it count and I uh, appreciate you being on. I appreciate your friendship and wish you nothing but good luck. You got a few weeks off. Go get that garage door fixed so Sonia can get it in there and feel <laughs> I'm safe. I'm going to. I need to clean it out. I need to clean it out too and uh, you know after the garage door works now I can go get all the junk out of it and go to Goodwill. So, But I appreciate it Jim. Thanks for having me on and please tell your family I said hi and Maybe we'll cross paths pretty soon and have some dinner or something. Absolutely. All right, bud. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye.